Hey, you're listening to Meet the Difference Makers, an Enroll Films podcast where we talk to the difference makers inside higher education. Each episode is crafted to bring you a dose of encouragement, a spark of inspiration, and a heartfelt reminder that the incredible work you're doing in higher ed is changing lives. And now your host, Ryan Coral. On this episode of Meet the Difference Makers, we talk about Brian's journey from blue collar to becoming a doctor and eventually a university president. And then also the importance of understanding the difference of vocation and career and how that uh, affects the work that we do inside of higher ed. I'm Ryan Coral from Enroll Films, and I am really grateful that you are here with me today. Dr. Stogner is an old friend of mine, mentor. Uh, he was a professor of mine back in, in my college days. Uh, really loved how he talked about uh, how education isn't uh, just about the destination. It's about the journey of self-discovery. And this, this for me, is something that I just continue, continue to process, uh, especially uh, in the last six, seven, eight months. Um, so really, really good stuff there. Uh, before we dive in, if you are responsible for telling the stories from inside of your institution, or you know the person who is responsible, I'd love to share with you a resource that we use when we create authentic and soulful video content that moves people to action. If you want to enroll more students, engage your alumni, and encourage donors, one of the most powerful ways to do that is through testimonials, but most testimonials are bland, they feel fake, which is why I'd love to invite you to download our testimonial capture checklist. And it includes our secret formula for capturing powerful testimonials. We love when people hire us to film their stories and their testimonials, but if we can equip you with better storytelling strategies, I feel like that's a pretty huge win too. So if you want to stand apart from your competition, you've got to be asking the right questions to get the kind of responses that are going to move the needle in your marketing. So you can get access to this free resource. Uh, you can download it by going to enrollfilms.com slash checklist. That URL once more is enrollfilms.com slash checklist. All right, let's get into today's interview with Dr. Brian Stogner. What's up, my friends? Welcome to another episode of Meet the Difference Makers. And today with me is Dr. Brian Stogner, who is currently the president at Rochester University. And he was also my professor of psychology way back in the day. Uh, so it's amazing to see you in this seat today, Dr. Stogner. Thank you so much for uh, joining me on the show. Uh, you're welcome, Ryan. Thanks for inviting me. It's uh, it's sort of amazing uh, to both of us uh, that we're here in this situation today. Probably not <laughs> either of us would have anticipated all those years ago. Yeah, uh, but that, here we that, are. So yes, yeah, you put that uh, very eloquently because um, yeah, it's hilarious how um, just our paths, like they, you know, you set out with dreams and goals and aspirations and things that you want to do, or or maybe maybe you don't, and uh, you know, to to see where where we end up, this is this is actually quite enjoyable. <laughs> Yeah, me for me too. So, so tell me, uh, tell us a little bit of your journey. I mean, you've been at President Rochester University for how long now? I'm um, going into my eighth year okay. um, in the role. I did a year as interim, um, and then uh, about almost seven years uh, since I was uh, elected. I guess is the formal terminology for it. But uh, yeah, so prior to that, I um, 
at the time that I moved into the president's role, I was serving as the chief academic officer for uh, the previous president. Um, prior to that, I had done uh, a jillion different things uh, and uh, really didn't expect that I would ever land in this particular spot. Uh, but uh, as, you, as we just discussed, you know, sometimes these things uh, are hard to anticipate. So um, I, uh, as being a college president or university president, was really not anything that I ever aspired to. Which is not unusual, uh, because if you were gonna, you know, if you were gonna survey uh, a bunch of junior high or high school students and ask them what they want to be when they grow up, uh, I doubt any of them would say, <laughs> "I want to be a college president." You know, that's that's not on the radar screen. Right. Um, so uh, it's, uh, but although I have I have talked to some other actual grownups who who really want to do that, you yeah, know, yeah. but uh, not not something that I was ever looking for for sure. So, what would you say in the I mean, you've been at Rochester University for uh, a lot longer than just seven or eight years. Um, yeah. But in this in this current role, what has been uh, what has been really rewarding uh, in the work that you've you've been able to be a part of? You know, it's interesting. So, uh, I, I think kind of understanding like the some of the elements of the journey and kind of how to um, how to think about why I made the decision to, to move into this role to begin with or to, or to uh, agree to occupy this role. Yeah. It's probably part of that. Um, when I, uh, you know, um, I guess we'll do a little, you know, a little deep background here and, uh, and the other psychologists in the audience will, you know, will undertake whatever kind of analysis yeah. they like <laughs> of this. But, uh, so I grew up, uh, in Flint, Michigan, uh, in a very blue collar, uh, background, um, not a family that had uh, much education. I was, I guess, technically speaking, I was a first-generation college student. Yeah. Uh, and in fact, if you if you um, look at my father's side of the family, and you go back as far as we can trace, uh, and as far as anybody's been able to figure out, uh, I'm actually the second person to graduate from high school. Oh, wow. Uh, my yeah, my father's youngest brother was the first, uh, and I was the second. So not a place where you know everybody just automatically assumed, okay, you're you're going to go to college. Uh, however, even though my even though uh, and later on, my mother actually after my my brother and I kind of grew up, she went back to school and, and ultimately earned a master's degree. But um, at the time that I was growing up, that was not the case. And um, but I, but it was a household that even though there wasn't a lot of formal education. Um, it, it was always sort of understood that education was incredibly valuable and that it was the pathway to a better life. Um, and okay. not only the pathway to a better life financially, but a better life in terms of really trying to live a meaningful life mm. uh, and finding meaning and purpose in your work. Um, you know, um, so I, I think that kind of got ingrained in me. Um, and because of that, the idea of working in higher education uh, was always something that was appealing to me. Um, and even though the vocation I pursued was psychology, um, the, the just the process of getting educated in that discipline, I always did some clinical work until I actually took this role. Uh, but uh, teaching and doing research and, and, and being a part of that educational process uh, was always something that was important to me, and I think yeah. some of the values that got ingrained in me as I was growing up was was a real, were a really big part of that. Mm. 
So that, that kind of, you know, bringing that around to like what I'm up to now, um, sometimes people, uh, I've had several people over the last seven or eight years, when I tell them I do this job, they'll say, well, do you enjoy it? Uh, good and, my question. Response, and my response to that is usually, I don't know that enjoy is necessarily the best word uh, that I would choose. Uh, but, but what I will say is, again, thinking about how higher education is, is a way to work with people to help them find meaning and fulfillment in their life. Uh, this job is meaningful and fulfilling, even though it's not necessarily always enjoyable, you know, um, and every day I go home feeling like, yeah, there was, there was purpose in what I did. There was yeah. meaning in what I did. There was value in what I did. And again, as I think about, you know, um, not everyone has the blessing and the opportunity to do work and to spend a lot of their time in their work life in something that is meaningful uh, and something that has that sort of value. Uh, so for me, that's a gift and a, and a blessing to you know be in a situation like that. Uh, and it's probably the thing about this role uh, that's most important to me. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's, <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, uh, well, well put. Do you enjoy this? Well, that, maybe that's not the right question. Let's ask a different question. Um, so as you think through the meaningful moments or the purpose, like you get to the, to the end of a day, you say like, okay, there, there was some purpose in today, uh, or this work has been meaningful. What's, what's a story? Like, take me to a moment that it, you really felt like, okay, I probably wouldn't be able to do this if I didn't have the title as president and this, this is really meaningful. Yeah. Yeah, it might be, uh, I, I can probably pick a, a theme and a number of moments that kind of fit into the, the, uh, that uh, theme as opposed to maybe an individual event. Yeah. But yeah. um, there have been a lot of uh, sort of forks in the road in the last seven or eight years where it's, okay, we need to, we make a de we need to make a decision about the, the direction the institution is going to go. And this could work and it might not work. Um, and being in a place where um, you can make decisions that are going to really determine the direction of an institution and, and the influence and the impact that will have on yeah. all the people who work at the institution and all the students who study at the institution. You know, doing those sorts of things, I, I think um, it, there is there is an appeal to being able to, first of all, say, okay, these are things that are really important to me. These are things that really make sense to me. And I, I'm actually in a position where I can do things to try to ensure that the institution pursues those kinds of values or pursues those kinds of directions. Yeah. And then also to be in a position where the students who are here um, are able to uh, kind of get on board with that. Yeah. Um, and I think yeah. a lot of the, those decisions are more about trying to create a culture and trying to create sort of an ethos uh, on the campus that is, uh, that is welcoming uh, and that uh, helps students feel that they belong and really invest in students individually. Um, and I, I guess there's sort of a trade-off because I, I was able to like sit across from students a lot more when I was teaching, you know, yeah. than I am yeah. now, uh, although I still do some teaching in my role now primarily for that purpose. 
but uh, to be able to uh, to do something that I know is going to influence a lot of students other than just the one who might be sitting across the table from me at a moment in time, um, those sorts of choices, I think, have been really the big ones for me uh, yeah. and have been the ones that I think have, have created that deepest sense of meaning that, yeah, you know, every now and then I will hear a student who will, who will I had it happen over the summer, we had a student who, uh, happened to be at an event um, and uh, was doing some work for us at the event. And he pulled me aside and he said, uh, man, I really want to talk to you. Um, and I was like, well, I, we're talking, you know, uh, I think that's what we're doing now. You know, but he, he was saying he wanted a more serious conversation because he said, and I guess this was probably among the most rewarding things that have ever happened to me. He said, essentially, you're doing some things here that have made a difference for me. Um, and this is a student who um, I think is somebody who in a lot of cultures and a lot of societies on a lot of campuses would be very marginalized. Mm. Uh, and he said, I feel like I belong here and I want to tell that story to other people. Uh, I still get kind of emotional when I think oh. about that interaction, oh. you know, but I, I kind of think, yeah, that uh, I, I definitely went home that day feeling like, OK, that's why I'm doing this. That's why I'm doing this. It's for it's for those students. Mm. Uh, and for individuals like that to be able to have an experience that maybe would be different than they would get in a lot of other places. Yeah. Wow. Wow. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. I think one of I the, think one, I, even as you were talking, I was just kind of realizing that the role of a president at a smaller university, I mean, how, how many students are, are roughly at Rochester? Got a little, but about 1200 yeah, uh, so total. Uh, all of our programs. So. 1200 students, uh, your, in your position, I mean, it seems like, and maybe, maybe it's not accurate, but it would just seem like your day-to-day -day kind of decisions, the things that are in front of you <laughs> actually do have, have a potentially significant impact more so than maybe if you're at a bigger university where there's a, a lot more leadership and a lot more levels of, you know, uh, political stuff. I mean, is that, do you feel like that's yeah. kind of accurate? Yeah, I think that's definitely true. Uh, you know, we have far fewer administrative layers here than uh, most institutions yeah. do. And we have far less uh, administrative help uh, here than in a lot of other institutions yeah. as well. So it's very hands-on. Uh, I don't have an assistant. I don't have a chief of staff, you know, uh, and that's true for, for most of our administrators. Uh, yeah. And you know, the, the downside of that is, you know, you get involved sometimes in some things that really eat up a lot of time that, yeah. you know, you wish that, you know, there was someone else who could kind of take that on. But the upside is you do really get a hands-on experience. And, um, I mean, I get to have, I have an opportunity to interact with students and with parents and with alumni, uh, again, because there aren't, there aren't as many layers that they have to go through to get to me, you know. Yeah. And I, I really like that. Um, that's one of the things that I really like about a smaller institution that make that um, makes the work much more valuable. You know, yeah. uh, I think presidents in large institutions, uh, I know several of them and have had a lot of conversations with them. I mean, they just go to meetings all day, yeah. you know, and then they uh, and then they go to events and show up and, you know, and smile and shake hands. And, um, and I do a Believe me, I do a fair amount of meetings and a fair amount of events where I show up and smile and shake hands. Uh, but there's also a significant part of my week every week that is about uh, just interacting with the people who are in the trenches and interacting with students. 
Um, and it's something that happens as a normal course of how we do our work here as opposed to, okay, yeah, I'm going to schedule this event to, you know, meet with students this day, you know. Um, and there's a real, because it's more organic, uh, it becomes, I think, uh, a lot more genuine uh, in a lot of ways and, and therefore more meaningful. My guess is that so many of the people that you work with, and, and, and I'm speaking out of uh, my experience at the university a long time ago, <laughs> is that there are so many people there uh, that care deeply about the students and that as you kind of were sharing, uh, you've got an opportunity to, to help mold people and help, help students figure out what, what the heck do they want to do with the rest of their lives and how do they want to you know, impact the world. Uh, so I, I just, I, I love that. I think that that in and of itself is very inspiring. Uh, tell me a little bit more about the mission uh, behind Rochester University, and as you think about in the context of like making a difference in the world, how do you see? How do you hope to see uh, the university and the students that are coming out of the university uh, make a difference? Yeah, there's a couple of things that I that I think about a lot uh, when I think about uh, mission and what we do. That 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 I think it's funny because everybody in higher education wants to talk about how distinctive they are, right. you know, and. Uh, I will jokingly say, not so jokingly, yeah, everybody's trying to be distinctive in exactly the same ways, you know, so that <laughs> yeah. uh, it's, it's hard to, but when I think about like, what's, what is distinctive about us yeah. um, and the things that are really important to me, one thing that I think is uh, obviously foundational to everything else is we're trying to follow Jesus in the way that we do higher education and trying to impact students in a way that helps them understand how to follow Jesus better as well. Um, and the way that, that I think about that and the way that we think about that is actually really closely tied to that interaction that I had with the student that I was describing. Mm. And that is that uh, for us, what it means to follow Jesus is to, is to focus in on the things that Jesus demonstrated were important to him and try to make those things be important to us. And when I think about that, I think about uh, welcoming the marginalized and reaching out and, and being a champion for individuals that society and our culture typically do not, do not stand up for uh, and, in fact, push aside. Unfortunately, uh, a lot of organized religious organizations um, do that too, um, and they end up, you know, drawing lines. And, and 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 I think for us, trying to understand, yeah, how can we be more welcoming and inclusive? We talk a lot, for example, about diversity, equity, inclusion, and justice. And for us, those are core values, not because that's like the thing you need to do, or that's the that's the going you know trend right now in higher education, or even that that's being demanded by some external regulator. For us, those things are at the core of who we are because we believe those things were important to Jesus, and that those things are are about what the kingdom of God looks like. Um, so that's what we want to try to live into here. Uh, so that's really, I think, the foundational uh, um, element of it. And, and one, I think, uh, thing that grows strongly out of that that's really important to me is that it kind of relates to the idea of why I'm doing what I'm doing here. And that is, 
Uh, we, we would love for students, that we'd love for everybody who comes to this institution to, to end up with a great career um, where they you know, make a lot of money and you know, write big checks to, uh, back to the institution that That's they right. came from. You know, we'd love for everybody to do that. <laughs> but if all we and, we, and the fact is we work really hard to create a curriculum and to create co-curricular experiences internships and other experiences that help our students do that. So that's very much a part of what it means to do higher education these days. But what I say to our students, what I say to our faculty, what I say to our staff and other administrators regularly is, if we do that, and that's all we do as it relates to our, our students and our graduates' work, we will have failed. Uh, because what we're trying to do is help people find a vocation, not just a career. Uh, and when I think about vocation, I think about a sense of calling. Yeah. Um, if 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 there is a calling, that implies that there is a caller, uh, and that you know God is involved in the the vocational choices that we make. Uh, but related to that idea of calling is how do we discern that? How do we how do we live and interact and engage in community in a way that helps us discern that calling? And part of what that means is to do work um, that not only is is good for you as a career, but to do work that also has meaning and purpose and really does help, ideally, going back to that first value, uh, that foundational value, helps to live into a reality that looks more like the reality that Jesus imagined and that he spoke about. So, so, I mean, you know, for a tiny little school with 1200 students, you know, it's easy to say, wow, you're, you feel, you sound a little grandiose and maybe a little crazy, you know, when you say this, but I really do believe that that's how the world gets changed yeah. is that individual people go out and, and try to live into a changed vision of what the world could be. Uh, and I think in the work and in the vocation that our students pursue, uh, that's the pathway to that changed world that I hope that we really are helping build. Yeah, I love that. I feel like, uh, you know, President Johnson back back in the days when he was there and you were a professor of mine. You know, I spent four years as a student there living on campus and then two years as an employee. And by the time my employment was coming to an end and I was just getting more and more excited about launching this video business, um, I felt like I had been prepared to like, you know, I felt like I was in this bubble, you know, the bubble of Rochester college for so long. And, and it was like this, you know, Christian community. And, and that was like, that was all I knew for those six years or mostly what I knew. And I just was very, very excited to, uh, enter the, the real world in, in to be able to be with people that didn't, you know, come from a similar background and really try to, to, to love everybody, like, you know, love my neighbor, love my enemies. Uh, the things that I, I feel like the, the staff and faculty did such a good job of, uh, imparting in us. Right. I mean, I loved your class. I, I think you're a great professor. Um, but I think what I, my biggest takeaways from our time together and most of the professors that I had was the deep care that they each had, that you, that you had for students, uh, to, to kind of think more, a little more grandiose than just like trying to get a great job from this degree. And, you know, for me, I, I, I got a degree, uh, <laughs> 
I didn't get anything. I didn't take a business class. I didn't take any video production classes or anything like that. But when I entered the, you know, quote unquote real world, I felt equipped to see people differently, to be a better listener, uh, to, I mean, I grew in empathy, like all of these things that, you know, it's kind of hard to teach from a textbook, but you're around people for so long and you're seeing them, you know, live this out and also try to impart those things in you. I mean, that stuff, I mean, it changed me. And I know, you know, there's just like countless people uh, who have been changed uh, because of that. You're like exhibit A of, of, you know, what we hope, you know, to try to accomplish is to help people in exactly the ways that you've described, you know, um, and, and I, for me, when I think just in general about, you know, what's a well-educated person, um, you know, I think, you know, the world is changing so rapidly and it's incredible for me to hear you talk about, well, you know, I, I, what I heard you say is I'm not sure that I formally prepared myself in the classroom to be doing the things that I'm doing right now, uh, you know, but obviously you got equipped you know, while you were here in some ways that allowed you to kind of grow into that. Um, And I think in some ways the world and the economy and the employment situation changes so rapidly that, you know, uh, we're educating students now for jobs that don't even exist yet. Mm, Um, So a a well-educated person is someone who learns how to learn uh, and learns how to respond and adapt to a changing environment uh, in all the ways that you have to do that, some of it's related to technology, and a lot of it's related to interpersonal interactions, and and um, that's sort of what we're trying to do. And I think I think the value of a Rochester uh, University education is that we we are able to invest in people at that level um, at a very kind of custom fit way, you know. Yeah. Um, and that's an advantage to being small, right. and, but it's also an advantage to to being personal. You know, and you can you can be small and still be impersonal, you know, um, and you can still not work to cultivate those connections that are really important. Uh, but your story is, is an incredible example of uh, a sort of how it's supposed to work. Uh, you know, so uh, it's great to hear that. Poster child. Just kidding. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> I mean, it just it, it is my story. Um, I, you know, just hearing you share about your, you know, your hopes for the university and the things that the the mission and the values and all of those things, I think it's amazing. You don't just get to that spot where you care the way that you care. When you look at who's had an impact in your life and in your story uh, to have gotten you to where you're at today and for you to care about the things the way that you care about, is there somebody in particular uh, that made a difference in your life? Yeah. I, I mean, I think there's a lot of somebodies, you know, in a lot of ways, you know, um, when I think about, when I think about probably the person who, um, most influenced me in terms of how I think about and relate to other people, uh, it's my mother, uh, you know, and, um, my mother, uh, who's now passed away. Um, she loved unconditionally, uh, and she, she knew how to do that. And she didn't just do that for me. She seemed to be able to do that for everybody that was in her life, you know? Um, and I think, uh, something that always struck me about her was that she saw things in other people that most people didn't see. Uh, and she saw the value that people had and invested in people. Um, 
And, and she was a real, you know, investor in people, uh, with time and with effort. Yeah. And, uh, so that, that taught me an awful lot, um, for, on a, a professional level, I had, um, although I went to a large, uh, research oriented, uh, state, um, university, one very different than this one. I had a couple of professors there who invested in me professionally and educationally, um, and, they didn't have to do that. Uh, I mean, yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm walking down the hallway at, the, at uh, this major university at, in the psychology department, and as I was walking by, a professor literally yelled at me from outside of his office and said, hey, get in here. <laughs> um, this was toward the end of my time there as an undergraduate, so I walked into his office, and um, he essentially, in that one conversation, helped me begin to realize that graduate school was a possibility, mm. um, which was, I mean, given my background and given my experience, for me, even though my academic record was good that I could do it, I just didn't think it could ever work financially. I didn't know, I didn't know anything about it, you know, yeah. and I didn't know who to talk to. And he just sort of said, let me explain it to you, you know, yeah. uh, and he did that without any solicitation and without any yeah. so i mean I, as i think about that i think yeah that's somebody who invested in me mm. you know in a way that really shaped and formed me in some meaningful ways uh that person is still a good friend of mine uh, yeah. and still a very important you know uh mentor in my life um somebody in, that, that you know to kind of narrow it down even more you know when i think about rochester what was then rochester college and rochester university one thing that you and i have in common another thing that you and i have in common is ken johnson's responsible for bringing us both here yeah, uh, to, yeah, to yeah. rochester um and ken was somebody who put a lot of trust in me um and really handed me um, a lot of responsibility in trying to help shape a department uh the psychology department at rochester and um uh, Ken was somebody who uh, was always uh, very important to me uh, for what he did at that time. And, I, and yeah. I know he did that for a lot of other people, too. So Yeah, that's powerful. That's so good. Yeah, thinking about that professor, too, I just love how uh, these, these conversations that, you know, we, maybe we feel a little prompting or, or just, you know, this urge or whatever it is, uh, but for him to yell like, hey, get in here. <laughs> I just love yeah. that story of like, you know, kind of like, uh, you know, who knew that a, a, a conversation there could could change the trajectory. And it was just like yeah. something you didn't know. Somebody took the time uh, <laughs> for whatever reason. He just in that moment was like, yeah, I need to get, you know, Brian over here and just yeah. like share this. Uh, I think that's pretty incredible. And it, that was and that was a definite that was a definitive fork in the road in my life. I yeah. mean, wow. I, I was. I was headed in a different direction prior to that conversation, and I walked out of that conversation feeling like something was possible wow. that I did not believe was possible, and the, and that thing became a reality, you know. Mm. And the other thing that's really striking about that is, you know, uh, I'm I'm introverted uh, in spite of how it sometimes looks, and I would never in a million years have walked into his office <laughs> and said, "Hey." Would you help me understand this? I mean, yeah. it, it it literally took him yelling at me in the hallway right. and saying, "Get in here," you know, for that to happen. I would have never, I would have never initiated it, you know, oh. on my own. So I love that. Memorial. That's so cool. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, and and I think for me, it just it's just another reminder that when we're when we're trying to be uh, intentional and we're trying to be aware and and maybe even trying to listen better. 
right? <laughs> Which I need to do a lot better. Yeah. But it's those those moments that that could actually change the trajectory of somebody's life. It's like, wow, I I, I forget how important it is uh, to um, to make myself available. And and if I feel like you know share something, like share it. Just who knows? It doesn't have to change the world. Yeah. But uh, you know, I feel like that guy probably thought that I really think that Brian could could do this and i want to i want to help him i want to be one of this guy's cheerleaders yeah you know it's funny that you know that again you know thinking using that grandiose speech when you talk about like changing the world i mean when you look at how the world gets changed i would argue that a huge element of how that happens is really conversations like that you know where somebody decides to invest in somebody else you know i i would i might argue that's the primary way that the world gets yeah. changed. Um, and yet, you know, uh, what a mistake to diminish the importance and the significance of that, you know, yeah. and not make ourselves available. Um, yeah. It's a hard lesson to learn with everything that goes on in life that pulls at us, but man, it's so important. Well, yeah, it's, it's also reminding me of, you know, the community that I experienced at Rochester uh, being so small and not just being a number, being in smaller class sizes. And I feel, I feel like this is like a billboard right now, but, um, yeah. but actually having the, the opportunity to be in one-on-one conversations uh, with people where uh, that, that stuff, that, that really, like I said, you know, I, I don't know how many classes I sat through with you and nothing stands out to me right now. It's like, oh, that thing. But it was more like relationship and trust and, you know, yeah. feeling like I had a mentor and somebody I could go to uh, the, the one-on-one or the small group setting. Like that's, I think, I think there's something very, very special about that, uh, that, that does change the world. Just like you said, I think it's good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's right. Well, well as, as we wind down here, this industry is very interesting. Uh, I, I just, somebody sent me an article this morning about a bunch of higher ed institutions closing. And, uh, you know, I think COVID probably propelled a lot of that during that time, uh, but we're still COVID. seeing that. And, uh, you know, the way people are learning and uh, the whole thing, it's just everything is so different today than it was 20 years ago. So there are a lot of people that, I don't know, might, uh, feel scared or unsure. Um, they've invested their whole life in this work and it means a lot to them. What encouragement, what would you, what would you say to somebody that's, that's in a spot where, where they do need some, some encouragement about the work that they're doing yeah. in higher ed? Yeah. I mean, I, I think the first thing I'd say is, yeah, I get it, you know, uh, because, um, higher ed, especially, private higher education and most especially uh, private faith-based higher education is uh, is really a, a perilous you know in a perilous spot now um, and you know you read these horror stories of institutions that have been around for a long time and are at great risk and um, you know any institution that is enrollment driven and doesn't have a huge endowment is always at risk uh, and I think one of the things that we've seen, um, um, maybe this is, maybe I'll get in trouble by saying something like this, but I think we've kind of seen the Walmartization of higher education, you know, in that, you know, the big, huge monsters are just able to do things or op- they're able to offer more degrees and they're able to, you know, do things at scale that allow them to 
you know, make things work financially. Uh, and, and when that happens, uh, the value of the smaller place kind of gets forgotten. Um, and I think what I would try to say to people who are in those places is, you know, uh, there's still a very, very important story to tell. Um, and one of the things that I appreciate about uh, this podcast here today is the opportunity to tell that story, you know, because we've been talking about things that have real value um, and things that are, it, it's not just something that you might get somewhere because you might get that. I mean, I got something not unlike it at a very different kind of institution, yeah. but there's a difference between having, happening to walk down the hallway at the right time by the right professor you know, where those sorts of strange events, you know, somehow come together and converge. There's a difference between that happening and being at an institution whose purpose and design is oriented to try to provide those kinds of experiences. Yeah. Uh, and the reality is those institutions continue to have immense value because those experiences are valuable. Mm. Um, and I think, uh, being devoted to being in a place that exists for the purpose of helping to create those kinds of experiences. The reality is students are always going to need that. They're always going to benefit from that. It's always going to be important. Um, and I think, you know, rather than being discouraged about, you know, how things look, what we need to try to do is, is tell the story uh, and tell these stories more because the reality is those stories are true. They're real, they're meaningful, they're important. And um, I think even though sometimes people don't realize it, when they hear those stories, I think they begin to grab hold to a certain extent of, yeah, those things really are important and those things really are meaningful. And those are the kinds of experiences that I want for myself or I want for my kids or I want for other people that are important in my life. So I think I would say, you know, when you're doing something that's good and doing something that's meaningful, um, sometimes that, that needs to be a primary focus as opposed to feeling like, well, you know, everybody's always going to get it. You know, the reality is everybody's not always going to get it. Um, but, um, to continue to invest in that again, I think it, it's meaningful for everybody. Um, so I would encourage people to, to keep going. And the reality is, you know, uh, there are still a lot more small institutions that succeed than fail, you know? Uh, and, you know, 10 years ago, some of the uh, disastrous forecasts that you've seen, even though, you know, it's easy to look at, you know, bad situations and to look at institutions that close down and feel like, oh man, you know, the sky's falling. The reality is some of those dire predictions have not come to fruition uh, in the last two years, the re 10 years. The reality is fewer of those institutions have, have gone under than what some folks were saying would happen. Yeah. Um, I think probably there will be fewer in the future than what some of the doomsayers would say. Um, and I think, you know, um, someone who runs a small business yourself would appreciate that, you know, sometimes uh, an entrepreneurial spirit uh, and a strong work ethic, uh, help you get somewhere that, um, you know, if you stick with it, sometimes you're surprised, you know? So, and I think that's true for small, uh, universities too. So, mm, yeah, very, very well said. I'll just add one thing based on what you just said. 
10 years ago, you know, we had, I mean, 10 years ago, we had two kids. Now we have three kids. 10 years ago, I would have said like higher education, not really worth it. Like we'll send our kids to community college, save some money, help them figure out like, what do they want to do? Cause I'm thinking about my own experience. I wasn't, you know, until I was like almost 20 that I enrolled at Rochester and, uh, I, I had lots of question marks around what I wanted to do with my life. And, uh, thinking through, especially in the last two years, thinking through as I've spent more time in higher ed, we, we did the coach documentary and, you know, I'm kind of like reflecting on what, what really happened during my time at school when I was in college and the relationships that I have today because of that, my, the, my wife that I have today because of that, uh, this job right. that I do today because of that, I started thinking much more recently, like, you know what, where else will my kids, my son's 16. And so he's, this is like right around the corner, but where else is yeah. he going to experience uh, some kind of a controlled environment where he can continue to ask that question? Like, what do I want to be when I grow? Like what, what I want to experience? Like what kind of person do I want to be? And to be able to do that in, in a, in a safe place where people are there to speak life and encouragement and, and, try to direct you and guide you. Uh, I, I'm, I'm on a completely different uh, mindset saying like, oh no, no, uh, somehow I, I, I'm not going to force my kids to go to college, but I really, we really need to present that as uh, something that could be so, so good for their development as a human being. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great, that's a great statement. And, and I think, I think really the, the primary task in front of us, um, for folks who are working at institutions like this one, is to is to tell those kinds of stories to help people grab hold of the value of what we're doing. Yeah. You know, um, and I believe uh, the data would suggest that there's real financial value to it uh, and a good return on investment if you're only thinking about the dollar signs. But I think there's also something that's that's not quantifiable. You know, the kind of thing that you're talking about um, that that brings a value that's far beyond you know, what you can quantify. And I think what's the task in front of us is to help, help people hear that and to learn that and internalize that. Because I think you know, what's a, a, you know, a big part of what's driving the crisis in higher education is people are really beginning to question whether it's, it's worth it. Yeah. Uh, so I think you know, our job is to help them understand why it is. Yeah, that's so good. Dr. Sagner, this has been so fun, uh, super enjoyable to get fun. this time with you. Um, if people want to connect with you, what's the best way for them to do that? Um, probably, uh, since I don't have an assistant, uh, probably the best way to get me is uh, email. Uh, and it's uh, B. Stogner, my, last, uh, my first initial and last name, S-T-O-G-N-E-R, at rochesteru.edu. Um, and uh, I'd love to hear from folks um, and uh, love to had the opportunity not only to hear more from people about their stories, but also to be able to share some of our youth story as well. So, so I'm really grateful for the opportunity to do that today. It's been fun talking to you and it's, yeah. it's very cool to see you where you are now. It's awesome. So, uh, that's a, that's a, that's a real gift for me too. So, well, I appreciate you. Thank you for the work that you're doing. Uh, appreciate you so much and really, uh, thank you uh, for getting time with us today. My pleasure. Thank you, Ryan. 
Hey, thanks so much for joining me on this episode. If there was something that you really liked from this episode, let me know. Uh, leave a comment if you're watching this video or you can always just send me a email, ryan at enrollfilms.com. I would love to hear from you. Uh, if you did enjoy this episode, you wanna share it with somebody, remember that sharing is caring. You can take a screenshot, uh, screen grab like from your phone, you know how to do that. Uh, if you're listening to this on your phone and just text it to your bestie or someone that you think would be inspired or encouraged uh, from this episode. Uh, and if you need video production, remember, this is what we do. This is my heartbeats. This is how I make a living. Uh, so don't hesitate to reach out to learn more about how we do video at Enroll Films. And you can, again, email me, Ryan, R-Y-A-N, at EnrollFilms.com. Thanks so much for being here. And I look forward to seeing you on the next episode. Bye for now.